Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from New York State United Teachers, a union of professionals standing with more than 600,000 workers in education, human services, and health care with the Our Voice, Our Values, Our Union campaign. And United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. Your Governor Kathy Hochul and her opponents have just over two months left now to campaign for governor before the June Democratic primary. Hochul has been holding numerous events while trying to keep off the subject of her disgraced former lieutenant governor. Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt has more. Hochul's begun airing her first TV ad, introducing her to New Yorkers as a dedicated public servant. It's late at night and a light is on in the governor's office. Kathy Hochul is hard at work. And it shows. The governor has plenty of money to spend on her campaign. She took her post last August after Andrew Cuomo resigned over multiple scandals and since then has raised a record $21 million in a few short months, primarily by employing lobbyists with interest before state government to hold fundraisers. Hochul's opponents in the Democratic primary, as well as Republicans who may run against her in the general election, have criticized her fundraising methods, saying they may cross the line into pay-to-play, something Hochul denies. Her political rivals have been even more vocal about the resignation of her lieutenant governor, Brian Benjamin, after he was indicted on multiple corruption charges. Democratic candidate for governor, Long Island Congressman Tom Swazi, says Hochul should have looked more closely into Benjamin's background before choosing him. He says Hochul does not have the ethical standing to appoint a new lieutenant governor. Kathy Hochul has disqualified herself from appointing a new lieutenant governor. Let New Yorkers decide. They'll do a better decision uh, than she could. Uh, She picked a lieutenant governor who she knew and who everybody knew had ethical problems. Swazi's running mate for lieutenant governor, Diana Reyna, is on the ballot, along with Ana Maria Archila, who is running with gubernatorial candidate and New York City public advocate, Jumani Williams. Benjamin admitted that he lied to Hochul and the state police, who conducted a background check before he was picked as LG last summer, and that he concealed the fact that he had received a subpoena in connection with the corruption case. Benjamin has denied any wrongdoing. Meanwhile, Hochul is keeping her focus on other topics as she steps up public appearances, including a briefing in Syracuse on the new COVID-19 subvariants. In this post-pandemic, almost post-pandemic time, she lit up the Empire State Building with green lights and appeared with former President Bill Clinton to announce a clean energy building initiative. I'm very grateful to the mayor and the governor for being here for supporting this project. If Hochul chooses to appoint a new lieutenant governor, she may still be stuck with Benjamin as a running mate in the June primary. Under the rules, Benjamin would have to die, move out of state, or run for another office in order to be removed. A bill has been introduced by Assemblywoman Amy Paulin and backed by some good government groups. It would allow a candidate's name to be struck from the ballot for other reasons, including criminal charges or a diagnosis of a life-threatening illness. But the measure has not gained much traction with lawmakers. Hochul says she is looking at a number of options, but she says she's not pressuring the legislature to pass the bill. That's their prerogative to examine this or not examine it. I'm not going to tell them what to do, but uh, they certainly know their options. 
but she says voters should not have to suffer because of the state's antiquated laws on how to remove a candidate's name from the ballot who is no longer running for office. Hochul, who previously joked about asking Benjamin to move to another state, has now ruled out urging him to leave, saying that decision is up to him and his attorneys. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Joining us now, Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Chartok. Alan, you had a wide-ranging conversation with the governor of New York State. It's the first time she's joined you for the Capital Connection program. That's Governor Kathy Hochul, who is looking to be elected the first female governor. Of course, she took over for former Governor Andrew Cuomo. She was his lieutenant governor. What did you make of your conversation? Well, a couple of things. Number one, who knew she has a sense of humor? (laughs) And that's a good thing, because that'll get you through. Look, this is going to be very tough. You know, she came in, the entire Democratic establishment was saying, hooray, this isn't Andrew, this is a wonderful woman who we all know, and we're going to get through this together. But since that time, you know, power brings with it responsibilities, and people are going to hold you accountable for what's happening. She's lucky. There's lots of money, and as a result, she's there with it. But along comes things like a lieutenant governor who gets arrested. And what does she say, and how does she do it? Or a Buffalo Bills stadium, which people down in the big city, down in New York, may have questions about. But I thought she handled it all with aplomb when I asked her these questions. Basically, you know, they deserve a stadium in the other side of the state, and the lieutenant governor is unfortunate. Look, there's not much more she can say about that. But I quizzed her, and I asked her, do you have anybody else in mind? And she said, well, about 20 million people. And, (laughs) you know, that was characteristic of the conversation. I had teased her in a column about not showing up, and she said in the very beginning, I owed you this one, Alan. So this is a very bright woman who knows what she's doing and who is going to face a lot of political opposition. And out in the darkness stands the dark prince, Andrew Cuomo. And Cuomo has been very careful, by the way, not to say bad things about Hochul, which is interesting to me. He goes after Letitia James, uh, who is, of course, the attorney general who brought him down. But he has kept his, I don't know how to say this without being misinterpreted, but he's kept his paws off Hochul. And that is something that is really quite amazing for a guy who clearly wants that job back. I thought it was equally interesting, Alan. You you know asked her about being a woman and how important that was, and she went on quite a bit about being tough and showing that a woman could handle the rough-and-tumble politics of Albany just like any man. Well, yes, but she has an ability to make people understand that as a woman, she is approaching politics in a different way than so many people on the male side do. And she is smart that way. She will take advantage of the fact that she's a woman, but she'll make it clear she's as tough as nails when it comes to the tough decisions. 
you know, there's this bill that you talked with the governor about, it's Kathy Hochul, of course, this week, which now looks like New York Democrats are refusing to back it. And that's state Senate Democrats who are refusing to back the legislation that would help Governor Kathy Hochul to name a new running mate to replace ex-Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin in the June Democratic primary. Of course, he was recently arrested for alleged corruption. Democrats could remove Benjamin, who had pleaded not guilty to five felony charges, by passing one of two bills introduced in the Assembly. The effort appears to be dead on arrival in the upper chamber of the state legislature with just two weeks to go before the state board of elections certifies the primary ballot May 4th. Hmm. Who knows what these creepy, you know, legislators do in their, quote, own interest. You better believe that when they refuse to do what's right, which is to allow the appointment by the governor of a lieutenant governor, they're thinking, hmm, what if that were me? How would that affect me? It's not right. And I have to say, I'm surprised that they are so misguided that they don't see that people are going to really not like this. Yeah. And of course, it may mean that, as we've mentioned in the past, she may end up with a lieutenant governor that she has a hard time working with. It certainly does look like that. On the other hand, you know, there is always that question as to how hard do the lieutenant governors have to work in the first place she didn't work very hard you know her job was to go around the state and make nice with everybody and that's what she did and she did it well and they all remember it now so the fact is that we have a situation in which we're not going to have a lieutenant governor of the governor's choice now in some states you know david i'm sure you're aware people get elected to the number two job who have nothing to do with the number one job and that may be what we're going to see here so do we need a lieutenant governor other than as a placeholder no we don't need one until something happens remember that kathy hogel was a lieutenant right. governor and that she was handpicked by cuomo and now she's the governor and by the way personalities do change when that kind of circumstance happens so now we have a governor who was going around making nice with an awful lot of people who's got to be a lot tougher. I've spoken with her, and I can tell you, she knows what she's doing. Well, what is ex-Cuomo aide Melissa DeRosa doing, Alan? A report this week in the New York Post says not only is she selling her Brooklyn apartment for $2.6 million, but she's planning to write a tell-all memoir. Well... Hmm. Now, look, Cuomo was what we would call a um, hands-on governor. Melissa DeRosa knows where the bodies are, and we'll see whether or not she really will tell all, because if she does, it doesn't look good for Cuomo. Of course, she's been lumped in with Cuomo through this whole thing called, quote, one of the mean girls that was not too nice to the other women in the office who claimed sexual harassment against the governor. It sort of seems like maybe a real rehabilitation campaign coming. Well, as you know, it's possible. Anything's possible here. But if she's going to write a tell-all book, you better believe she's got to tell-all in order to sell that book. And she knows a great deal. Whether there's a good relationship between Cuomo and DeRosa now, I don't know. But I can tell you, it's going to get interesting. Yeah, and if more stuff like this continues to come out, what does that mean for any chance that Governor Cuomo wants to get back into the political game? Well, I have no doubt about that. You know, David, I've said all along, I've written many columns on this. If you know Andrew Cuomo, you know he's a guy who doesn't like to give up power, and you know he's a guy who's going to work to retain it and to sustain it as much as he possibly can.
And that's what I'm sure is going to happen right now. We have not seen the end of Andrew Cuomo, and I'm sure that he is plotting his return as we speak, unless he's sleeping. Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartok. listening to the Legislative Gazette, program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Student government leaders from throughout the SUNY system are demanding student representation on the search committee for a new chancellor. The Legislative Gazette's Dave Lucas reports. SUNY is on a global search for a new chancellor after Jim Malatras resigned under pressure in January. The close ally of Andrew Cuomo had been installed without a search during the pandemic in 2020. The student leaders testified virtually Tuesday morning before the Board of Trustees about the lack of student assembly representation on the search committee. They contend that in the absence of any existing guidelines or policies, the Chancellor's Search Committee apparatus was established without any students. The committee is tasked with selecting candidates, engaging in interviews, and recommending finalists. UAlbany EOP student Dylan Klein told trustees on Zoom he believes SUNY is dismissing the student voice. The people who pay into this system tuition, fees, every single semester, every single time that we attend class, and our voice is ignored in who's going to be the next leader of our SUNY system. That is not right. Now, also, I noticed that uh, only some of the Board of Trustees are on here. I think that's a real shame as well. This is a public hearing, and it would be real nice if Every single board of trustee was here to listen to the concerns of not only the faculty members and the members of the public that came before us, but the students who are on this call as well. It really is unfortunate, and we need to do better as a SUNY system. Binghamton University student Samil Levin tells WAMC students just want one of their own to have a seat at the table. That's typically the student representation that's asked of and usually given. And that's usually done through uh, what SUNY calls the shared governance model, where you have SUNY and you have the student assembly and you have the faculty senate of the community colleges and the state operated campuses, and they all work together on initiatives, on policy within SUNY. And that should be respected when we're asking to choose the new chancellor. Uh, to do a proper nationwide search. There, we are wanting and asking for what is typically asked for every single time, what's typically given every single time. There is a major policy change in SUNY. The leaders characterize students as tuition-paying consumers. 
arguing it is a violation of shared governance and an injustice to exclude them from the process. What we're trying to prevent here is the same mistake that the SUNY Board of Trustees has made in the past, the same mistake that they made years prior, uh, decades ago, when they excluded students from being represented and being heard uh, when choosing a new chancellor. And we saw, you know, the turn of events of what happens when the SUNY Board of Trustees picks a chancellor without a nationwide search and when the SUNY Board of Trustees picks a chancellor without student representation. We get a chancellor that didn't represent the students, that didn't represent our interests, uh, and did not represent what SUNY is and what SUNY can be. Levin is among student leaders from SUNY Binghamton and the SUNY Student Assembly who have written Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, who is on the committee, to support their demands. The April 13th letter states in part, a search committee formed to select a chancellor without student representation is in direct opposition to values such as diversity and inclusion, which SUNY claims to uphold. Jeffrey's office did not respond to a request for comment. SUNY did not comment. The 19-member search committee also includes SUNY board chair Merrill Tisch, co-chair Cesar Perales, and several public and private college presidents, among others. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Dave Lucas. listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. New York State's new $220 billion budget will fund a number of projects and initiatives across the North Country region. Democrat D. Billy Jones, who represents the 115th Assembly District, talked about the budget benefits with the Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley this week. He began by discussing the arrest of former Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin on federal corruption charges. I think I was one of the first um, to do it uh, of my colleagues. Um, and like that statement said, has no place. I think people are sick and tired of, you know, uh, of our public officials who are held on a certain level to um, be responsible and certainly not break the law and uh, be ethically responsible as well. And, and you know, it shouldn't have gotten to that stage. I think, um, you know, they're, uh, you know, through the process of selecting, uh, you know, Mr. Benjamin, Senator Benjamin at the time, there were mistakes uh, along the way. And, uh, um, you know, when we go back and look at that, certainly um, there should have been things that were done differently. Can we trust Governor Hochul's judgment considering that, as you just said, mistakes were made in the selection process for Brian Benjamin being lieutenant governor. Certainly, and I, I, I just think, you know, I think she has spoken on this, and, um, you know, you have to be responsible for your for your own decisions. Certainly this wasn't uh, one of the, uh, the governor's uh, shining moments, and uh, 
Um, I, I feel that uh, he probably shouldn't have, or he shouldn't have been uh, uh, selected anyway, uh, knowing uh, everything we know. So, um, you know, um, she'll certainly be scrutinized for that in the, in the future. Assemblywoman Paulin has introduced a bill to remove Benjamin from the ballot. Her legislation would call for a candidate that's been charged with a crime to be able to be removed from the ballot. Right now, that can't happen. What do you make of her bill? I think, you know, I I respect Amy and I I know her very well. I think right now, um, to introduce that, like right now, um, it might be seen as, you know, trying to change the rules in the middle of the game. I think in the future, it's probably a a piece of legislation that we should certainly look at um, because I think there are, you know, certain uh, things that happen, um, you know, occurrences that happen on either side of the aisle, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever, um, that there should be options out there. But I think to do it right now, it's seen as kind of changing the, uh, the rules in the middle of the game. So should Benjamin's name remain on the ballot? I think it's quite a conundrum for, for everyone involved. Um, I think legally it has to unless a couple of things happen, right? So, you know, it's a difficult situation, and uh, I would prefer that it didn't. But um, the rules are what the rules are right now. And, and I believe the Senate has already said um, they're not going to take that uh, piece of legislation up. As a Democrat, are you concerned about what this means for the fall elections for Democrats across the state, whether it's Kathy Hochul at the head of the ballot or any down-ballot races? As a member of the Assembly and as a uh, resident of New York State, I'm concerned about it on a general level, not politics aside. I'm concerned that, you know, we hold our public officials on on a certain level and this was a direct result of his job, right? Directly resulting from a role that he played within the government. So certainly when that happens, um, you know, like I said, we need to hold people accountable as as simply a, a, a resident of New York State. But as an assembly member, uh, we can't put up with this anymore. If we're talking politics, no, it's not a good thing. It's going to be a tough year anyway. I like to concentrate on delivering results here um, to the North Country. I've always done that. I don't get into the partisan bickering. I continue to do my job. I will continue to do my job. And if the people choose at the end of the day that they want somebody else, um, that's their choice. But I'm not going down without a fight, I can tell you that. Well, speaking about doing the job, the other thing that uh, has occurred since we last spoke was New York State has a budget. A lot of money coming to the North Country region, among things that uh, might benefit the area is water and sewer treatment projects. The Adirondack Diversity Institute gets some money, more money for broadband. And one of the things that you were pushing for, the fiber connection fee was eliminated. And even more for items that you've been pushing for in agriculture and education and stuff. What's your overall assessment? My overall assessment in this budget is the same that I have for any other budget. You can find a lot of good in it and some bad. And I think when you're uh, talking about a $220 billion price tag, you can find something for everyone. But certainly, we, uh, you know, there is, there is bad in there. Um, but I think overall, it is a ton of money. 
It's a lot of money. I would have liked to have seen some of that put into reserves. A lot of this money is coming in from federal, um, federal infusion of stimulus, I should say, and our tax receipts were, were way up last year, um, so it created a lot of revenue. But there's nothing wrong with putting a, a little money away for a, for a rainy day, and I think we should have put um, some more there. But certainly a lot of great programs, agriculture, um, veterans programs um, here in the North Country, uh, middle-class tax cut, property taxes. We're, we're doing something about that. The gas tax holiday. There are a lot of things that are in there to help people out. Number one issue on people's minds right now is inflation. And I think us as New York State government, we're stepping up and saying we can do a part. We still have to have help here on the federal level, local level. We all need to be in this. But I think New York State said, you know what? We have to do something to help people in their pocketbooks, and uh, we're going to do what we can. And I have three words for you. Number one issue consistently throughout my career as the Assembly, broadband, broadband, broadband. We need it here in the North Country and throughout New York State. You talked about the DOT right-of-way tax that I have fought to get out of uh, existence for the past three years. It was snuck into the budget a couple, three years ago. That will help our smaller companies here in rural areas like the North Country. It was a hindrance to them. It'll help them build out more broadband to our rural areas. And we have over a billion dollars here in, in broadband funding to help get public-private partnerships so that we can put more cable in the ground to get broadband out to those people. We need it. It plays a critical role in every facet uh, of our lives, um, and it's needed. It's, it's, it's desperately needed, for not only socially, for us socially, but economically. A group is organizing in the Plattsburgh region to try to get a third bridge built across Lake Champlain. Assemblyman D. Billy Jones says he has written to the State Department of Transportation regarding the potential to conduct a feasibility study. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Pat Bradley. And that about does it for this week's show. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. For copies, call 1-800-323-9262. That's 1-800-323-9262. Ask for program number 2216. Or just listen or schedule a podcast on the web at wamc.org. And join us again next week at this same time for more news on New York State government and politics. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustino.